0: Welcome to Lit Poetry, the podcast where we go on a journey of discovery, reading, analyzing, and discussing great poetry from around the world. Poetry is worth it because the reading and writing of poetry is a revolutionary act that has the potential to transform both the reader and our world.
1: Welcome to the Lit Poetry Podcast and to today's poem, The River Merchant's Wife by Ezra Pound. We'll begin by listening to the poem before returning to start our discussion with some biographical information about Pound. This poem is read to you by the lovely Jodie Foster.
0: The River Merchant's Wife, a letter. While my hair was still cut straight across my forehead, I played about the front gate, pulling flowers. You came by on bamboo stilts playing horse. You walked about my seat, playing with blue plums. And we went on living in the village of Chokan. Two small people, without dislike or suspicion. At fourteen... I married, my lord, you. I never laughed, being bashful. Lowering my head, I looked at the wall. Called to a thousand times, I never looked back. At 15, I stopped scowling. I desired my dust to be mingled with yours forever and forever and forever. Why should I climb the lookout? At 16, you departed. You went into far Kutoyan by the river of swirling eddies, and you have been gone five months. The monkeys make sorrowful noise overhead. You dragged your feet when you went out. By the gate now, the moss is grown, the different mosses too deep to clear them away. The leaves fall early this autumn in wind. The paired butterflies are already yellow with August. Over the grass in the west garden, they hurt me. I grow older. If you are coming down through the narrows of the River Kyung, please let me know beforehand, and I will come out to meet you as far as Jofusa.
1: So I want to start this podcast by talking a little bit about the historical context. Ezra Pound, born in 1885, emerged as a significant figure in the realm of modernist poetry. The modernists, including Pound, sought to break away from traditional conventions of poetic rhyme, metre and form. They aimed to make it new, as Pound famously expressed, by embracing free verse and employing vivid, sometimes surreal, imagery. Pound played a central role in the modernist movement, particularly through his work as a literary editor. He actively supported and promoted the works of renowned writers such as T.S. Eliot and James Joyce. While Pound's modernist approach looked towards the future, it was also deeply influenced by the past, as exemplified in his reinterpretation of the 8th century Chinese poem by Li Bale. This particular poem was part of Pound's collection called Cathay, published in 1915, where he presented new renditions of classical Chinese poems. Pound took significant liberties with these translations, however, using the original poems as a starting point for his own stylistic experiments. Despite this approach, it is evident that the concise language and vivid imagery of the original works had a clear impact on Pound's later writings. His unfinished magnum opus, The Cantos, bears the influence not only of Chinese poetry, but also of Chinese history and philosophy. Pound's legacy is a complex one, marred by his anti-Semitism, which he eventually expressed remorse for towards the end of his life, and his active endorsement of fascist governments during World War II. However, it is indisputable that his poetic vision and his support for fellow modernists brought about a profound transformation in the trajectory of literature. During the publication of The River Merchant's Wife in 1915, Europe was in the midst of the devastating First World War, a conflict marked by immense destruction that claimed the lives of 16 million individuals over a span of four years. This brutal war was predominantly fought in treacherous, muddy trenches. The era of World War I is renowned for its soldier poets, such as Wilfred Owen and Siegfried Sassoon, whose writings vividly depicted the horrors experienced on the battlefield. Although Ezra Pound did not personally participate in the war, his collection Cathay also responded to the trauma and profound sorrow inflicted by the war. Pound handpicked numerous poems for his collection that revolved around themes related to wartime. These poems depicted speakers yearning for their homes, preparing for battle, or expressing desperate hopes for the safe return of distant loved ones, resonating deeply with the experiences of soldiers and their families. So at this point in the podcast, I want to turn to one of the leading themes that deals with love and longing. The River Merchant's Wife represents Ezra Pound's translation and reinterpretation of a poem originally written by Li Bao, an 8th century Chinese author whom Pound knew and acknowledged as Li Po. The poem takes the form of a letter penned by the young wife of the title addressed to her husband who has been absent from home for a duration of five months. Through the retelling of their shared journey that deals with their childhood, wedding and current separation, the letter reveals the gradual and unexpected emergence of profound love between the couple. The poem suggests that one may only truly realise the depth of their love for someone when they experience the pain of separation. The Speaker and her husband have shared a lifelong connection, yet their love did not blossom instantaneously. In their early encounters described by the Speaker, they were mere children. The Speaker reminisces about her youthful appearance with her hair cut straight across her forehead, resembling that of a little girl. They used to engage in playful activities near her front gate. This innocence endured until the Speaker reached the age of 14, when she and her husband entered into marriage. She was so young at the time that she felt too shy and timid to meet her husband's gaze directly. Nevertheless, the poem implies that love has the capacity to gradually develop without one realising it. Nearly a year after their wedding, the speaker vividly remembers being completely infatuated by her new husband, to the extent that she longed for her existence to be forever entwined with his. However, as he embarked on a lengthy journey a year later, she discovered that her love for him had grown immensely to the point where his absence rendered the entire world desolate. Even the sounds of monkeys seemed mournful to her ears now that he was away. Despite her youth, the speaker perceives herself as having aged significantly during the five months of her husband's absence, with each passing day feeling like an eternity of separation. By depicting the intense yearning of the speaker for her young husband, the poem proposes the idea that love can often be most vivid and powerful in the absence of physical proximity. It implies that the separation between two individuals can amplify the clarity and strength of their affection. This sentiment aligns with the well-known saying that absence makes the heart grow fonder. Welcome back. Now here I just want to talk a little bit about the imagery in the poem because one of the things that Pound was very, very famous for was his use of imagery. And he had a very profound impact on a host of other poets, people like William Carlos Williams. The poem utilizes evocative imagery to create a tender portrayal of the speaker's surroundings and her emotional state. Addressing her husband, who has been absent from home for a duration of five months, the speaker skillfully captures the melancholic beauty of their familiar late summer environment. The mosses around their garden gate have grown so deep that the speaker can't even work up the energy to clear them away. The butterflies seem to be changing colour like autumn leaves, already yellow. These pictures of pillowy moss and flitting butterflies are as pretty as they are sad. The speaker seems to see nothing but how very long her husband has been away in the moss's overgrowth and the butterflies' autumnal yellow. But she's also lovingly describing the garden she and her husband share, perhaps trying to encourage her husband's homesickness and to hurry him back home sooner. The sorrowful noise of the monkeys in the trees, meanwhile, expresses the speaker's own sorrow. Much of this imagery then speaks for the speaker, expressing her feelings in pictures. A similarly subtle line of imagery describes the speaker herself, right at the beginning of the poem. It goes like this. While my hair was still cut straight across my forehead, I played about the front gate, pulling flowers. That image of straight little kid bangs and the speaker's use of the word still evokes childhood in one very beautiful stroke, at once suggesting how small the speaker was when she met her husband and telling the reader something about how she is grown up now. Of course, there's something touching about that implication too. The speaker is still only 16, not very far from her remembered childhood at all. So that's it for this week's episode, a rather short one, but we'll be back next week with a really, really interesting poem called Medusa by Carol Ann Duffy. To support our work, please subscribe to our podcast or to our YouTube channel. You can also visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. A music video for this week's poem is now live on YouTube. We'll finish by listening one final time to the poem. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.
0: The River Merchant's Wife, a letter. While my hair was still cut straight across my forehead, I played about the front gate, pulling flowers. You came by on bamboo stilts playing horse. You walked about my seat, playing with blue plums. And we went on living in the village of Chokan. Two small people, without dislike or suspicion. At 14... I married, my lord, you. I never laughed, being bashful. Lowering my head, I looked at the wall. Called to a thousand times, I never looked back. At 15, I stopped scowling. I desired my dust to be mingled with yours forever and forever and forever. Why should I climb the lookout? At 16, you departed. You went into far Kutoyan, by the river of swirling eddies, and you have been gone five months. The monkeys make sorrowful noise overhead. You dragged your feet when you went out. By the gate now, the moss is grown, the different mosses too deep to clear them away. The leaves fall early this autumn in wind. The paired butterflies are already yellow with August. Over the grass in the West Garden, they hurt me. I grow older. If you are coming down through the narrows of the River Kyung, please let me know beforehand, and I will come out to meet you as far as Jofusa. You've been listening to the Lit Poetry Podcast, presented by James Laidler. For more podcasts, poetry videos, and other useful resources, visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. Thanks for listening.